If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on? Good morning, everybody. I hope everyone is staying cool in this heat wave. It is not lighting up, it looks like, for the rest of the week. Uh, they have extended the flex alert uh, for all of California for the rest of the week, all the way until Friday. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about a bunch of things. Mostly, we're going to talk about whether or not Gavin Newsom can keep the lights on here in California. He dodged a bullet yesterday. He was able to kind of avoid a lot of rolling blackouts uh, with that emergency alert that everybody got on their phones yesterday. Uh, we were actually at Disneyland yesterday, and they didn't really seem to be bothered by it. I think Disneyland, I don't know if I have to look this up or not. I think Disneyland has like their own backup generators or whatever in case something were to happen. Um, they wouldn't have to worry about a loss of power because as long as you keep people in the park, raining or someone said raining, riding around those rides and eating, um, then they're making money. And that's the whole point of it. They don't want to lose people because if there's no power, no one's riding any rides and everyone leaves the park and you're not making any money. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk about today. Heat wave, what's going on with the California ISO, uh, what the flex alert means. And then we're going to talk more about nuclear energy in sort of totality because I always feel like I, I bring up, um, I always bring up nuclear energy. I always say like nuclear energy, if we're going to talk about like getting rid of carbon based or any sort of carbon polluting uh, energy sources, then we're going to have to talk about nuclear. And people always seem to forget and not want to talk about nuclear. Um, even though I, a lot of nuclear, I believe there were some instances that had happened tragically, but overall, like nuclear has been proven to be very efficient, very powerful, uh, very safe. The waste is not as bad as people really make it out to be. I remember how many people grew up. see, this is one thing I always remember growing up. And this is part of, I guess, now looking back, this is the the soft propagandizing of children, even back in the 90s. How many of you remember like Captain Planet? Like Captain Planet had all of the bad guys were radioactive nuclear something or other. They were like made out of nuclear sludge or something like that. So they always made it seem like nuclear was this really horrible thing um, and that all this sludge was going to come out and like people were going to get deformed. Um, I mean, there was always like references to nuclear sludge and radioactive material. Uh, I mean, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, one of my favorite shows when i was growing up as a kid i loved the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh i mean that whole thing was based on the fact that they came in contact with some radioactive ooze and that turned them into like from normal turtles to big turtles i'm really getting off base here but really i'm talking about the fact that you propagandized an entire generation to believe that nuclear energy is really a bad thing yeah the simpsons is another thing the simpsons they made it seem like uh, it was really bad. It was not run well. Um, we all kind of watched and laughed at Homer Simpson, who was the safety manager at nuclear power plant. And you're like, well, if that's who's running it, then I don't want nuclear energy in my backyard. Um, so somebody said, how do you feel about every city, county or region of California having their own grid? Every region is responsible for their own energy management and each region can decide. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and for all those audio listeners who are listening and wondering what I'm talking about, uh, I'm also live on Instagram live and uh, I'm taking chats. That's the point of this. this is why it's called coffee and California politics is because we sit and we chat with the live chat about California politics over coffee. Um, so someone asked that I, I am and this is getting off base a little bit, but I, this is my theory. If, if I could wave a magic wand and fix California, right? There's a couple things I would do. I would treat California as its own republic, like a true republic, like a republic like the United States of America, where each county is basically its own state. Each county has uh, maybe, I mean, it already has a county board of supervisors. Maybe it has its own governors. Maybe there is a quorum of governors who can help run the state. But I think every county should be on its own in its way that they can figure it out. We talked about this before where, I think it was a specific example of, let's say, San Diego says, hey, we want to build a nuclear power plant. Um, great. Let's build a nuclear power plant. Oh, we were talking about in the desalination. Um, but same example here. So instead of desalination, we're talking about nuclear. If you set up nuclear power plants, let's say San Diego says, okay, we're going to do a nuclear power plant. Um, and then all of a sudden they have more energy than they can know what to do with because 
we're going to get to in a little bit. I think Diablo Canyon provides about enough energy for 3 million people. San Diego County is around roughly 4 million people. So that's already more than enough. Add in the other storms, uh, sorts of energy, including natural gas and all that stuff um, that we're still using. And you will probably have a runoff or an extra that you can sell to other people. Now, if other counties don't want to do that, that's fine. But I think this kind of hodgepodge, the state trying to look over everything, doesn't really work because it's an enormous state. And maybe people in some areas where they can afford to run around, turn off all their appliances because it's only 80 degrees as opposed to if you're in the Central Valley, it's 115 degrees or 120 degrees. It's a lot harder to run and turn off your air conditioning when you uh, are sweltering from 120 degree heat. Or if you're in Southern California, you say, well, I could probably just turn off the AC and deal with a fan for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think there, there, we should be run as a more of a republic. Every state should be, or every county should be like its own state. It should be run really kind of independently. I think there should be an electoral college for California when electing a governor. I think that's really important because right now, I don't think it's fair that San Francisco and LA always get to pick the governor, even though there's 58 state or 58 counties. Now I'm thinking states and counties. Um, so yeah, but that's really kind of getting off on a tangent. I think there's just, I, I also tweeted this yesterday um, in the sense that we, the government grants a lot of monopolies to these public utilities and look at how it's working out so far. Uh, when you have these public utilities, they say, well, these things are too important to have more than one player because we want one person really running it. But look at how that's really kind of worked. Now that public utility is not really um, beholden to its customers. It's really more beholden to the government. Uh, and that's why when the government says jump, most of these public utilities say how high, but I'm really kind of getting off on a tangent here because we have a lot to get to. And I do want to get some time to hear people's chats and what they're doing in the heat wave and any other topics that are coming up. So let's start off with this article. Uh, this was from the Sacramento Bee. Just letting people know that third flex alert in a row Friday, California power supply not out of the woods amid power or heat wave. California's electricity supply improved somewhat Thursday, but residents were under an energy conservation flex alert for a second consecutive day. And the manager of the power grid warned that the possibility of blackouts remained with even greater levels of extreme on the way. The grid's reliability is still threatened, said Elliot Mainzer, chief executive of the California Independent System Operator. In a video briefing, Thursday's flex alert in effect from 4 to 9 represents a voluntary call for conservation as the grid operator seeks to repeat a uh, uh, the blackouts that rolled through California for two nights during an August 2020 heat wave. A week-long heat wave is threatening to overwhelm California with blackouts. Temperatures in the Sacramento area were expected to suppress 100 degrees Thursday and to soar as much as 114 in parts of Sacramento Valley. So to all you in Central Valley, um, I... Hope you're staying cool. Um, like I said, I went to college up in the Central Valley in Stockton. I know what a summer, a blistering heat in Stockton feels like. It, you really don't want to go anywhere. You kind of just run out of the house and like run to your car and try and do as little as possible outside. So uh, <clears throat> it's it's not enjoyable, that's for sure. So for all those down here in SoCal who are complaining because it got up to like a little over 80 degrees, well, it got up to like high 80s, 90s here which is hot for us. Maybe we should just think about what it feels like to be in 120 degree heat. California's increasing dependence on renewable energy supplies has created vulnerabilities during extreme heat waves, particularly when the sun goes down at early evening, but residents' air conditioners are still roaring. To try to improve grid reliability, the legislature early Thursday approved Governor Gavin Newsom's controversial plan to load loan up to $1.4 billion to PG&E Corporation to postpone the plan 2025 shutdown of the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant. The plant generates about 9% of the state's electricity supply. And we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about uh, that, and we're going to talk about nuclear sort of in depth in terms of how I think it's a solution and that people should be talking about nuclear. I think it's important that we really all start to kind of get past that stigma, stop, you know, get past the Captain America or Captain America, Captain Planet, uh, stigma of toxic sludge and nuclear energy and all that and stuff in the 90s that they were telling us. Uh, I think it's really important for us to get past that and start talking about it and, and know your facts and know and explain to people 
Uh, it's one of the reasons why I came up with the shirt, and it's pinned below, Stop Brownout, Support Nuclear. If you actually look up nuclear and see as a source, um, you're going to see that it does check a lot of the boxes that the greenie left is always kind of screaming about, which is that they want carbon neutral. They want something that doesn't give off a lot of uh, carbon or pollute the air or something like that. And nuclear is one of the best, and even Obama's energy secretary said it is one of the best um hi c says i get lots of compliments on that shirt that's awesome thanks for supporting i'm going to order mine this week um because i want to i want to make sure i i rock it as well so um nuclear is great and all but the problem is california will just centralize the nuclear industry and make a select few companies control the entire nuclear grid um so maybe but you know at this point it's better than what we have right now which is and this is sort of what I'm going to get to in this next article. This is from Reason. So a lot of people were pointing out that it's kind of funny and it's really bad timing for noodles and the whole legislature that they want to get us all off gas-powered cars and into electric cars by 2035. So they want to ban the sale of any sort of internal combustion gas-powered cars by 2035, and they want us all buying electric cars. And then, of course, in a complete you know, sideshow Bob stepping on a rake sort of moment. All of a sudden, this heat wave came, and now they're telling people, oh, by the way, don't charge our electric cars because our grid can't handle it. Um, and that's when everybody around the country started laughing at California, saying, like, well, now you're requiring us to buy electric cars, but you're not allowing us to charge them, which is a real issue. It's a real issue that if you have to worry about whether or not they can keep the lights on, and by they, I mean the politicians up in Sacramento, whether they can keep the lights on and then they can't and they're always telling you to turn off electricity and anytime it's sort of a heat wave um that's going to be a problem for a lot of people now uh this article reason is kind of did a little bit more deep dive into it so i'm going to talk a little bit about that uh let's see do 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 where did i start my highlights uh talking about the ban says though it is true that such a ban will reduce emissions switching to electric vehicles will over time dramatically increase the strain on California's power grid. If everybody in California went out and bought electric vehicles tomorrow, it would probably be an energy disaster. Yet we know that. We know that if cars, if everyone jumps into an electric car tomorrow, hypothetically, I mean, not everyone's going to run out and get an electric car tomorrow. If everyone were to get an electric vehicle and then all of a sudden run out and start charging it, it would be an absolute disaster and the grid would collapse. Right? Like, even if it went up by you know, 50%, it would probably collapse the entire system because it's just so much strain on the electrical grid. Uh, that's probably not going to happen for a few reasons. California solely plans to ban sales, not all op operation of gasoline-powered cars. Millions of Californians won't and probably can't afford to transition to electric vehicles within the next 13 years. Yeah, I mean, that's an, a valid point. I mean, a lot of electric cars are very expensive. They're more pricey. They start at, what, like $60,000? Um, so they're pretty pricey. They're not like the most affordable car in the world. Not to mention you have to have a way to charge your electric car. So if you have, let's say you're renting from an older building, right? Let's say you rent from an older building. Where are you going to charge your electric car? A lot of people say, oh, you can just charge it in your garage. You can just plug it in. It's just fine. Not a lot of people, you know, not everyone in California owns a garage with an electrical outlet that they can just park their car into and drive. That is... And I mean, with the housing prices the way it is, that is certainly a luxury here in California to have your own garage and your own your own home. How many people actually rent? And when you think about that in terms of people who are suffering or like in the lower economic status uh, or just trying to get by. Now you're going to say, well, you need an electric car. How are you going to charge it? And you're one in one of these more run down apartment buildings that isn't updated. It doesn't it isn't with the times like there was one apartment building. I lived in when I was in law school, brand new, and it had like electrical charging stations. Now, it only had like two or three, and you think about how many people live there. That's a lot of people who got to be waiting to get a chance um, to actually charge their car. So that does create an issue. It also creates an issue that you're going to have to create, if you can't charge it at your home, you're going to have to go somewhere else, like a charging station, right? If you have to go to a charging station, how long does it take for your car to actually charge? If it takes hours and hours and hours, 
what are people going to do? I know they tried this whole thing where they wanted to put charging stations outside of like strip malls and outside of like a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's. So they kind of forced you to like walk into these stores and like then patron these stores. But what if you're in a rush? Like you don't have time to sit there and do for two hours. So there is a lot of logistical issues when it comes to charging cars and the affordability is definitely an issue. Uh, 2017 report um, from the California Energy Commission, which forecasted energy demand until 2030, did so by assuming an increase in adoption of electrical vehicles in the state. Their highest estimate assumes 3.9 million of these vehicles on the road in California by 2030. The increase in electricity demand would thus be significant, jumping from less than 1,000 gigawatt hours in 2017 to about 16,000 by 2030. Okay, so 1,000 gigawatt hours. Don't ask me what specifically a gigawatt is. I'm not really sure what specifically a gigawatt is. But the jump from 1,000 to 16,000 is an absolutely enormous jump by 2030. California consumes about 260 terawatt hours of electricity annually, according to the U.S. Department of Energy. It would increase in energy demand at a, of around 6% per year by 2030. A single nuclear plant could handle a good chunk of this new demand, or a single nuclear plant could handle a good chunk of this demand, but the amount of energy generated would still be far less than needed to achieve California's long-term goal of getting rid of gas-powered vehicles entirely and switching to electric. And then, of course, Reason Magazine finishes off saying the government shouldn't be forcing people to purchase or abstain from purchasing certain types of vehicles in the first place. But beyond that, signaling to the public that the electricity grid is being overtaxed during the summer does not instill residents with confidence that California is prepared for the transition it's trying to mandate. So I talked about this before, and I had said that this seems like something that it, it's 2035 puts um, this mandate out of the term of Gavin Newsom, right? 2035. And I called this out when he first kind of announced this. I said, look, if you're really bold about this, um, then guess what? You should do it inside your administration. You shouldn't just say, oh, well, we're going to do it by 2035. You've been long gone by that time, right? So assuming he wins, which he will win this year, he's going to absolutely crush Brian Dolly. Um, so assuming he wins this year, he'll be out of office by 2020, what is this, 2026. Why did I miss on the math there? Need more coffee. Um, 2026. So for another nine years, they haven't even, there'll be another governor and that governor's going to have to come in and that governor's going to have to win re-election or they're going to be, you're going to be in the second term of the new governor after Gavin Newsom, who is now going to have to figure out how to accomplish this goal. And I fully expect, and this is uh, one of my things, is that I fully expect they're going to walk this back over time, that they won't be able to meet the goal by 2035 of getting everyone trying to buy electric cars and banning all gas-powered cars. Why? Because I don't think by that time we'll have an electrical grid that's ready for it, especially if you're not seriously considering all of the options. Now, credit where credit is due, Gavin Newsom did actually stop the closure of Diablo Canyon, but I think that was more political because uh, I think he knew that if he couldn't keep Diablo Canyon open, um, the grid was most likely going to fail with the next heat wave. Then there was going to be a big issue. And then all of a sudden he saw what happened with Gray Davis when there was all these issues with power outages and rolling blackouts. Um, he knows that if you're a governor and you can't keep the lights on, it doesn't look good for you if you want to run for president. So... That, I think, was one of... You'll see this. Now, again, off topic, but if you look at what Noodles is doing from here on out, I would say probably about six months ago, five, six months ago, you could see the turn with Gavin Newsom. You knew he was going to run for president. He's made the decision. We all know he's made the decision. He wants to run for president, and everyone talks about it. It's not just me. It's not just me hypo hypothesizing here on an Instagram Live video or on a podcast. It's me saying that, you could see the writing on the wall when it came to Gavin Newsom, and you knew that he was going to run for president one day or another. Now, if you look at sort of that turn where he started to go after DeSantis more, where he started to do these truth TikToks and stuff like that, then you could see now all of his political decisions from here until 
next election, whether it's 2020, you know, 2028, then he is going to be running for president or until 2024. In a way, does it benefit us? Sure, because he's going to be putting forward a lot of moderate positions and he's going to be doing a lot of moderate things like keeping this Diablo Canyon open and vetoing bills that are kind of off the wall. Um, like the care court that just sort of got passed uh, that he signed into law, uh, which would have, if I understand this correctly, they're going to start doing court-ordered care treatment or mental treatment for the homeless. Basically, if you get arrested, you could either face your criminal prosecution or uh, your criminal sentence, or you can go into this mental treatment. But look at it from this way. Just from here on out, look at everything that Gavin Newsom is doing, everything Noodles is doing from here on out, and see that everything is going to be a political, calculated move to run for president, whether it be in 2024 or 2028. That's all I'm saying. Now, we can benefit from that. That's sure. Sure, that's fine. Um, but... At the end of the day, I wouldn't give him too much credit and say, like, he did this because it's the right thing. I think he did this because he knew that if he wants to run for president and have a shot, he's going to have to be a little bit more modern. Let's see. Now, let's talk about nuclear energy. There's a lot to get to. I'm going to try and boil it down as much as possible. I would suggest you go research this. As always, the links are always going to be provided. Um, in my show notes, uh, the benefits of nuclear energy can be boiled down into a few simple points. The main point is that the only reliable source of renewable energy, it is the only reliable source of renewable energy, and this comes from a Penn State University uh, article, nuclear reactors work at producing maximum power for about 93% of the year. This capacity factor is far higher than any form of energy production and about three times greater than solar or wind power. We knew that. I Most people know that. That's pretty common sense. Nuclear power has such little downtime <clears throat> because it only needs to be refueled every two years. Nuclear power plants also need less maintenance, even when compared to natural gas or coal facilities. Uh, as of... So just this was actually written in February of this year. So it's a recent article, you know, I mean, you could dig and find like a lot of articles, but I want to find like the most recent to see what people are saying about nuclear energy. A typical nuclear reactor will produce one gigawatt of electricity, which is about the equivalent of three to four coal powered plants. In order to produce about the same amount of electricity as a solar plant, a solar plant would need to use 450 times more land than the nuclear power plant. I want to say that again. A solar power plant to use the, and get the same amount of energy as a nuclear power plant would need to use 450 times more land than the nuclear power plant. And a wind power plant would use 400 times more land than a nuclear power plant. So if you see all those pictures of the hills absolutely covered in solar panels to create solar energy, think of it now 400 times less is what nuclear energy and that is how efficient it is compared to these renewable energies. Nuclear power also produces less carbon pollution compared to the other renewable sources when including the construction, operation, e and decommissioning of each of the energy sources. Uh, one drawback that many opposers of nuclear energy bring up is the nuclear waste that takes thousands of years to decay fully. However, this is far less of a dilemma than it's made out to be. It shows a picture. It's just a room with a bunch of, like, uh, containers in it. It's just one room. As the picture below shows, 45 years of nuclear waste can be stored in just one room. According to the environmentalprogress.org, all of the nuclear waste ever produced in the United States can fit in a 50-foot stacks high on a single football field. All of the nuclear energy used in the entire United States can fit basically in a 50-foot stack on, uh, and that's not that high, 50-foot stack on, on, a, on a football field. Not a lot. And then when you think, again, you go back to solar plants and solar power. Um, think about what they're going to have to do with all those panels once they run out of juice. Because they don't last forever, as I learned from the Los Angeles Times. They do actually run out of juice. They actually run out of effectiveness after a while. And you do need to recycle them somehow. And it gets really messy with how you're going to have to recycle them. Um, let's go on and talk about more of the facts. This is from... Now, I think this is, uh, what's the name of this group? NEI, I think this is a lobbyist group that does work on behalf of nuclear energy. 
Oh, Nuclear Energy Institute. So obviously they're pro-nuclear, but there's some interesting facts that they want to put forward. Uh, all 55 power plants avoid more carbon emissions annually than the emissions produced by 110 million passenger vehicles. Uh, nuclear power generates nearly 55% of our nation's carbon-free electricity. So it's already by a long shot, it is producing more carbon-free electricity than any other source, 55%. So it's the majority of our carbon-free uh, energy runs on nuclear. Uh, nuclear power plants operate 24-7. Uh, making them an ideal zero carbon complement to wind and solar. At this point, you know, I don't even want to know why we bother with wind and solar because if nuclear is so powerful, we should just do it. But I'm a fan of all the above redundancies. Why not just create options? Nearly 20% of the nation's electricity is generated by 94 reactors in 28 states. That's a lot. 20% of the energy. Uh, it is, nuclear saves consumers on average of, of 6% on electric, electricity bills. And add sixty billion to the U.S. GDP. Um, do, 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 do U.S. nuclear power plants are more than a hundred times safer than regulatory safety goals. One uranium pellet, <coughs> excuse me, one uranium pellet provides as much energy as one ton of coal, uh, one hundred forty-nine gallons of oil, and seventeen thousand cubic feet of natural gas. That's a lot. So. And then it, we go over, and here's, do, 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 what was I looking for? Ah, let's talk about the five things you need to know about nuclear energy in California. This is from Cal Matters. This was written uh, May 18th, 2022. So this was prior to the Diablo Canyon. Um, can you link this in your bio so you have the steps? Because that's, yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. So if you listen to the podcast, uh, you can go to the, the actual audio podcast and then in the show notes i link all i put all the links so this is really really helpful stuff uh, let's see this is specifically talking about nuclear energy in california uh and this was about around may and at that time they had not made the decision on diablo canyon so we'll just skip all the postulating about diablo canyon as california makes progress towards me its ambitious climate goals, one concern has gone unanswered. How can it stop burning fossil fuels while ensuring the power grid remains reliable? That question is at the center of a debate over the state's use of nuclear power. Nuclear power does not rely on fossil fuels, so it doesn't produce large volumes of planet-warming pollutants as other energy sources do. While it's seen as a climate-friendly alternative, opponents cite safety threats and problems storing radioactive waste. Uh, Perched on California's gusty central coast, Diablo Canyon has been supplying power to the state's electric grid since 1985, but the plant near San Luis Obispo has been battered by controversy the entire time. Just a few years into construction, PG&E found the site was near several seismic fault lines. That spurred lawsuits and massive statewide protesting, culminating in the largest arrest in the history of the country's anti-blah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, despite the opposition, the plant was completed. So for future reference, don't build your nuclear power plant on fault lines. You know, just do your research. Today, the facility employs about 1,500 workers. Its 2,240 megawatts of electricity generation is roughly enough to support the needs of more than 3 million people, according to PG&E. 3 million people just by one power plant alone. That's a lot of people who are provided. Nuclear power account for 939.3% of California's electricity. Uh, natural gas is by far the primary source at about 37%, and then followed by solar, large, hydro, wind, nuclear. California gets nuclear power from out of state, too. Now, this is what's crazy to me, is that California always does this somehow, right? California will say, we're for the X, Y, and Z. Uh, we we want to do this, and we want to reduce our climate emissions and we want to do all this stuff just like we talked about previously where california gets a lot of its fossil fuels or its gasoline from central america from other countries even though it says we don't want to do with have anything to do with these fossil fuels and with these oil and stuff like that but they get stuff from out of state so the fact that they can sleep better at night knowing well we don't do this here in california within our borders but as long as we get from other states, I guess it's just fine. Like, we can look past that. But as long as California doesn't do it, we can say, oh, we got rid of all these oil and gas wells and we don't do all this. Well. But then we get all of our oil from other places. Um, 
it just seems very hypocritical. Uh, most of California's nuclear energy is generated by Diablo Canyon, but it also imports nuclear-powered electricity from Arizona and Washington State, according to the California Energy Commission. Uh, 28 states have at least one commercial nuclear reactor, but some are also facing possible closure in the decades to come. Arizona's Palo Verde Generating Station is the country's largest power plant, with three nuclear reactors built in the late 1980s. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission in 2011 granted the plant a license to continue operating until 2047. California imports more electricity than other any other state. About 30% of its supply in 2020 includes some from coal-fired po- coal plants that are large sources of greenhouse gases, according to the California Energy Commission. 30% of its supply in 2020 comes from out of state, which shows you that we're not doing as much as we can to produce energy. And now they're telling you to turn off the energy. They're making sure that you know that our grid is under this huge, enormous strain and we're not going to have enough electricity for everybody. It's going to hurt. So, But we're still getting 30% of our supply from out of the state. Uh, that, to me, is absolutely mind-boggling. That's mind-boggling that we allow that much energy to come from out of state when California has the capabilities to supply its own and probably export more electricity out of state. Like California could be a net positive exporter of energy with all the energy that we have at our fingertips, with all the technology we have at our fingertips. California could be exporting a ton of energy to the rest of the country and be just an absolute hub of, of electricity. But instead, they we get 30% of it from other states. Uh, they talk about hurdles remain to keep the plant open. That's not what we're going to talk about because they already talked about that and they already decided they're going to keep them open. Uh, proponents laud nuclear power as zero carbon, lower cost. Diablo Kenya has played a crucial role in providing carbon-free energy and maintaining the reliability of California's power grid, said Jacopo Bongiorno, a professor at MIT's Department of Nuclear Science and Engineering. Without it, Bongiorno said it will be difficult to meet demand as intensifying weather patterns increasingly strain the grid. He said the state needs to rely on all kinds of renewable and carbon-free sources, including nuclear energy, to achieve carbon neutrality by 2045. Given the magnitude of the challenge that we're facing in terms of decarbonizing and mitigating climate change, I would argue that we should use more nuclear energy, we should use more solar and more wind. Everything that does not emit carbon dioxide should be on the table. If Diablo Canyon were to close, maintaining a carbon neutral grid by 2045 would require more energy storage, at least 18 gigawatts of solar power, according to a joint 2021 Stanford and MIT study co-led by Bongiorno. To build those solar facilities, the state would need about 90,000 acres of land compared to the 900-acre Diablo Canyon site. Finding that available space could be a challenge due to executive order requiring the state to preserve 30% of its natural and coastal lands by 2030. The study found that keeping Diablo Canyon could save an estimated $2.6 billion in power system costs from 2025 to 2035. The price of natural gas has risen recently, so existing nuclear power plants tend to be more competitive, Bongiorno said. The cost of electricity from solar and battery storage is higher than the cost of Diablo Canyon alone, so there's always savings simply from operating a cheaper asset. Stephen Chu, a Stanford University physics professor and the energy secretary secretary during the Obama administration, said the state should be making every effort to reduce its reliance on fossil fuels. Closing Diablo Canyon would only slow that transition, he said. Nuclear power may be certainly the lesser of two evils compared to keeping oil and natural gas plants, he said. You can't wave a magic wand and say we go 100% wind and solar because they're intermittent. It's easy to get from 0 to 50. It's much harder to go from 50 to 75 and nearly impossible to get to that 100%. Right. And just out of curiosity, since we're comparing states, um, I did want to look up. And Arizona had only one power outage, it looks like. And that was in 2019. So Arizona with 120 degree heat for a lot of the year is um, not really having the same issue. So granted, there's a population issue and it's not quite the same. But even then at 120 degree heat, if we're saying it's the heat that's putting a strain on the electric grid, a entire state that is basically a plus 100 degrees doesn't seem to really have as much problem as California does figuring this out. A lot of these states in you know, Arizona, Nevada, all these states that are 120 degree heats don't really seem to have an issue with an, an electrical grid. But the point of this is, and I know some people are saying we're going to need fossil fuels anyway, and I'm a big proponent of everything on the table. I'm a big proponent of free market 
open the floodgates, let everything come in and let everything do what it needs to do and see what's obviously the winner, right? If nuclear energy proves to be the best and the cheapest and the most efficient, consumers in the market will gravitate towards it. If it's fossil fuel still, then fossil fuels will continue to do it. But in terms of trying to make the argument to other people, and we talk about this a lot, when we talk about what we're going to do and how do we get out of this mess here in California, is you have to kind of speak in the language of people who oppose you or people who might be on the fence about issues. If you go full-throated support about nuclear energy, knowing that it is a net positive for everybody, there are risks. Yes, there are risks of nuclear energy, just like there's horrible risks of wind that kill birds. And we know that there's horrible risks of solar panels that you have to recycle. And there's a lot of toxic material and it requires a lot of land. And are you willing to give up certain state parks and a lot of forest and deforestation to open up a lot of these lands for solar panels are you are you fine with a state that's absolutely covered in solar panels because you believe that's the way to go or do you want something that's more efficient that's zero carbon or zero uh, emission um, provides way more electricity than a lot of these solar plants is way safer than a lot of these other uh, other industries yeah i think that's how you have to kind of market a lot of this stuff and we've talked about this before is you have to talk to people in their space where they're going to feel like they want to be attracted to this solution. Um, I think all of the above is great. I think nuclear can lead the way on electricity. I don't see why not. I think a lot of people are behind this. I think there's a lot of people who say that they should be doing this. Um, But if you're going to start getting people to come over or listen to a different side of the debate, you do kind of have to talk to them in a language that they understand. And when you do say something like, it's zero emission, it's a lot more efficient, it's a lot better for you, and then they say, well, what about the the waste and stuff like that? You can tell them, well, actually, the waste could fit in the size of a football field 50 feet high. And that's the entire United States. That's not just California. I'm sure California could probably fit most of their nuclear waste in like one little room. Uh, And I know that there's a lot of stuff you can do with the nuclear waste now, and you can like recycle it and repurpose it and stuff like that. Um, someone asked, would you hook your ventilator dependent family member to a solar plant or a nuclear power plant? That's a great way to put it. That's an excellent way to say it. Like if you had someone, um, if you had someone whose life depended on it, which would you trust solar panel or nuclear power? So I said to play devil's advocate, uh, they can build large solar plants in the middle of the desert, like San Bernardino, Riverside, and Lincoln County, Nevada has the largest solar plants in the U S they could, sure, they could, but if you want to make the argument against solar power plants, I, I'd have to look this up, but I do believe that it does heat the ground underneath all of those solar plants, and there is wildlife out in the desert, and there's wildlife that's under the ground, um, so if you want to say, sure, that's fine, just take up 90,000 acres, are you fine with wiping out all the vegetation and all the wildlife that lives in that area? Because they can't live under solar panels. Um, but I do think it heats up underneath because it does attract and the sun reflects and something like that. But, um, that's an argument that you can make is say, do you want to wipe out all the wildlife and all the plants and the natural habitat of these people? And a lot of these big deserts are designated as state parks and they are designated as areas that you're not really supposed to go into. If we want, if we can't figure out desalination to get water to farmers because of the Delta smell, a fish that does not know how to swim. Um, and to me, that sounds like if you're a fish that doesn't know how to swim, that that seems like evolution has decided your place in the world, that you are no longer really a fish that deserves to be a part of the ecosystem. Like something was going to get you one way or another. Um, but if you're a fish that doesn't know how to f- swim, then that's a big issue for the fish and not for us. Um, but if they can stop everything over Delta smelt, then they could stop every solar power plant taking over the deserts because you say, well, there's a rare spider or something like that out in the middle of the desert that we don't want to hurt. Um, But at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is you have to arm yourself with these facts and these statistics. It's one thing to just kind of point out the hypocrisy and the absurdity of it and say, we have, uh, you know, we have a governor who has mandated all electric cars by 2035 and then all of a sudden he's saying 
um, he's saying, oh, but we have to turn and don't don't charge your cars. Don't charge your cars because we're, we're hitting a flex alert. At the same time, he's telling everybody we should all be switching to electric cars. It's easy to point that out. I, I completely get that. It's harder to kind of dive into the argument and say, here's an issue. And how do you state your policy position on this and move forward with more people on your side to support you than before? You know, right now, these are chances when you say, oh, people are all worried about electricity and the heat and all that stuff. Then you can kind of bring up these issues, these questions and say, um, hey, these are issues that you're facing right now, because a lot of times people tune out a lot of stuff that comes with politics if it doesn't directly affect them. If all of a sudden they're sweltering in 90 to 100 degree heat and they have no power and the air conditioner is shut off, all of a sudden they might care about electricity a little bit more. So these are the chances you get. And it's better to be armed with the information and the arguments to say and to know how to speak to people and to say, look, you want zero carbon emission sort of fuel sources. Great. Let's talk about nuclear. And you can kind of rattle down this, this, this and this get your arguments prepared and you might change one person. That might person person might go out and change somebody else's mind. Um, and that's where you have to strike at changing the mentality here in California and change their minds. It's easy to kind of poke fun. It's easy for Benny Johnson to steal someone's meme or, you know, video or reel and put it up on his and claim it as his own and make fun of California. It's easy to do those things. I, I admit. Um, and there is sort of a, usefulness to memes and all of that to get people's attention right to get people's attention where they say oh that's a funny meme i wonder like is it true that we can't do x y and z or that this is really what's happening um i understand memes are a great way to get that uh, attention of someone but it doesn't enforce the argument it doesn't enforce the argument it doesn't get people to really think about it and it doesn't get people to really dive into that specific argument have that kind of conversation with people because I, I can guarantee if you start off with someone who is more left leaning and you start off the argument with, well, we actually have one of the most efficient and powerful zero emission uh, power sources that provides 50 is already 55 percent of our zero carbon electricity and power in the country right now. Um and people say, well, what is it? And he goes, it's nuclear energy. And they say, oh, well, I don't want to talk about nuclear energy. It's bad. And you say, well, have you looked into nuclear energy? And that's an, that's an area where you can make sort of these inroads and you can talk to people and you can change minds. And without doing that, it's easy. Again, I keep saying this because I want you to kind of think about this. It's easy to poke fun. It's easy to just kind of laugh and say, oh, California is going to hell in a handbasket. We're going down. Um, but it's takes a little bit of work to kind of grab these stacks stats and uh, statistics and say let's talk about this and maybe come to some sort of common agreement and maybe change someone's mind and maybe that person changes someone else's mind and before you know it all of a sudden there's a groundswell of more people talking about it before you ever knew it and then that's that's where you're at uh, I, remember, I admire how you stay in California but I have to. I love California. I don't want to leave. Um, and I think I've said this before, and, and I will say this again. I think for people who give up on California, and this is why I get really bothered by influencers who make a big deal about being in California and pretending that they're influencers um, or they are influencers. That's all they do is they're just influencers. I'm not going to name name, but there's influencers out there. I'm sure you, you know who I'm talking about who make a big deal about being in California and they say, Oh, I'm in California. Here's what's crazy about California. Here's me making a video about California and people love it and they share it and that blah, blah, blah. But then they just flee and they go somewhere else where they go to Nashville or they go to Florida. Or they make a big deal about going to Florida because it gets the most clicks and it's really vogue to like go to Florida and, you know, talk about being there for DeSantis and stuff like that. But I think if you don't fight here, if you don't fight here in California, just give up on the country. And that's my, my that's my honest belief is if you give up here in California and you say it's over, we're not fighting back in California, it's not worth it. 
let's just move on. Then just give up on the rest of the country. Because at the end of the day, what happens in California spreads to other states and it happens to other states. And before you know it, this ideology spreads and it gets worse. And then you look back in 20 years and go, where did our country go? What happened? Well, you allowed this home base of crazy ideas to stay and continue to push these crazy ideas. And those crazy ideas spread throughout the rest of the country. And those people who were indoctrinated in these states then go to other states and they vote in their people. And it spreads year after year, generation after generation. And before you know it, we are still dealing, in, in theory, look at it this way, we're still still dealing with sort of the hippie fallout of the 60s and Berkeley and all of that. We're still dealing with that. That's how powerful this is, is if we're still dealing with a lot of these hippies and liberals and people from the 60s who believe these ideas and are now pushing these ideas through universities, look at what happened to the universities. Now everybody is these, these far left universities because it all started in the Bay Area and it all started right there and it spread throughout the rest of the country. And now we're in a state where we go, what the heck? do we have to do what what, what, are you, what are we doing here and more importantly this is the most important part and this is really the most important part why i get upset when people who have big fan bases they have big numbers and they end up leaving california and they go somewhere else and they go off to florida or whatever again they go off to florida and they they post about it and they make a big deal about how they went to florida um You've admitted that your arguments are not good enough to stay in California and fight and win those arguments, so you've just given up. You just say, California's too kooky, I love you, but I don't want to fight this anymore. It means you, you're, you're sitting there going, oh, I wonder why all my memes and my 30-second reels didn't change the culture in California. Because you didn't work hard enough to change the culture in California. You didn't work hard enough to change the politics in California. It, it's fine if you want to gain followers and you want to create that echo chamber. Absolutely fine. Cool. Do what you want to do. But fleeing California and giving up and throwing up your hands, you basically said my argument is not strong enough to persuade people. And if you if that's your position, that my argument is not strong enough to persuade people, what makes you think where you're going is going to be the same? Because it just keeps changing and it keeps going one way or the other. So I know I got a little off target here, but I think this is one of those issues. I think this is one of those issues here in California where... If you stay and you can make these arguments and you have the facts and you can talk to people about this and you can convert people to believe in this and, you know, the shirt is nice. It, it does. It tells you one thing. It tells you a message that says that gets people thinking they, they associate. Wait, you know, I don't like brownouts. Um, and then they say support nuclear. And you're like, oh, well, I never thought of that. And then they say, well, why do you support nuclear? You can start a conversation. You have to, we have to get better at our arguments. And if you're ever going to stop this forward lurching to this authoritarian statism that is being pushed by the left, you have to win arguments, right? You have to win arguments and you have to win people over. And if you can stop it here in California, then you can stop it everywhere throughout the country. And that's my, that's my honest belief is that if you can stop it here and you're good enough, and you know the, the the strategies and the ways to do it, if you can stop it here in California, then you're going to stop it anywhere. And then it, it's it's in trouble everywhere in the entire country because you can push back on it. Um, so that's my final thought. You know, And I, I understand there's a lot of people who are like, there's some people who are too far gone. Keep in mind... There are 25% of the registered voters in the state of California are independent. That means they have no allegiance to Republican or Democrat. They're just people who are living their lives. They're doing their thing. They have an open mind. 25%, right? 
And that's a lot to win in a lot of states or a lot of cities and districts here in the state of California. Right? So that's basically all I have to say about nuclear today. And I I think it's a great argument to make. And I think, like I said, all the links are going to be in the show notes. So go ahead, check them out. Um, You can go follow me on on Spotify and all that stuff and you can go see them. Um, So what's the max number of followers I can have and still leave California asking for a friend? Um, Well, if you have over a hundred thousand, then you should definitely you can definitely make a big stink about relieving California, um, and people will be all like, "Yes, Queen, go! You're so great. Go live in Florida. You're awesome. Welcome to the best state." Um, but I think you stay and fight. I think you gotta stay and fight because if it's if you can't fight it here, it's not gonna get better anywhere else. You might as well just throw the white flag up. I wholeheartedly believe it. So. Um, 122. Uh, so I'm going to fit any more comments or questions. I know that went a little bit longer um, than I was expecting. I just wanted to kind of go over nuclear and how are we going to keep the lights on? So trying to get uh, Adam from Open the Books back on the podcast because he, if you remember for the last time, he talked a lot about uh, what's going on. Open the Books is a organization that goes in and basically for- forces all the states to open their books, which they're supposed to do by law. And California had not done so for a long time. Um, And they finally got the books open. There's a lot, as you can imagine, there's a lot of dirty stuff going on in California that, you know, I want to hear about. And I'm sure all you guys want to hear about as well. So uh, I was keeping the lights on last night running my power plant. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, didn't phase anybody when I was, uh, we were out yesterday. Everyone was just chugging along doing their own thing so uh do uh gotta leave out of the way yeah dm me yeah you know you got my my dms are open so any other comments or questions i'm not spilling names on the influencers you know who they are you know who the people are that have left and you know i mentioned benny johnson because benny johnson i just feel like he's gotten to a certain point he's gotten over a million followers he can um he can do what he wants to do and he, you know, he can just repost everybody's stuff. You know, one, one account that I always find interesting is the typical liberal. I don't, does that guy post anything original? I don't think that guy has posted anything original in like years. I think he just keeps reposting other people's stuff and he got in trouble as well. Actually, the typical liberal is, I think he's the guy who stole one of my memes um, and never gave me credit for it. So Yeah. When you steal my stuff and then you don't give me credit, that's when I get really kind of... And he, like, changed it a little bit. Um, He's going to block me. Yeah, that's happened. I've had some people like Cat Turd blocked me for some reason. I don't know why Cat Turd blocked me. I I don't think I've ever even interacted with Cat Turd. Maybe I did. I just forget why Cat Turd blocked me. But whatever I said must have been so offensive to him that he decided I needed to be... Um. Yeah, I'll, okay, so what I'll do, um, I'm trying to think where else I can link them. Link them in the podcast podcast show notes. Um, I can try and link them in Instagram. It's kind of harder because the links are on the computer, and then I have to go to Instagram on the phone. Um, I'm trying to think of how I could do this the best way. I might put them in the Discord. How about that? I might put all the links in the Discord so people can read up on this. That might be a good way to do it. Just if you're not in the Discord, go join the Discord. Um, so how many independents are in California? I should make a link tree. I have a link tree. Um, that's actually a good idea. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll just go. That's a good idea. Perfect idea. Thank you for that. I'll do a link tree. Um, and I'll let you know, you can go in the link tree and get all the the stats about nuclear energy. How many independents are in California? 25%. The last time I checked around 25% of registered voters are independents and 20, the other 25% is Republican. So, and so I think it's like, it's, it's very small, but if you add up independents and Republicans, they actually outnumber Democrats. Um, so mm, 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 mm. register Republicans is 25. <laughs> Great. Forked. Yep. I didn't think that was, that was going to make any sense. Yeah. So there's, that's why people think it's already too far gone. I don't think so. I mean, that. 
the, the Democrats have not broken past that 50% here in California. So half of the registered voters are not keen on the Democratic Party. They may lean Democrat, right? Like when push comes to shove, they're going to lean Democrat. Um, like, I, yeah, you just brought up how many lean blue every election cycle. I think they lean Democrat because Democrats in California are the only ones who propose any sort of uh, solutions. Um, Carmen just signed on. What did I miss? Uh, a whole bunch of gossip. It was really juicy. You missed all of it. I'm sorry. And I'm also going to delete this. So uh, you won't be able to watch it later. Uh, but anyway, yeah, just kidding. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's mostly because that's the sentiment in California is independents lean left and they lean sort of where the culture is. But I also think it's because Democrats don't really or Democrats do the best job presenting solutions. And that's really what it is. Yeah, they don't view right-leaning views in a positive. It's because there's nothing to positive in California to view. Like, what is it? What is a California Republican really stand for? That's going to get a lot of people supportive of their party outside of the taxes, you know. And taxes can be one a winning argument can be a. But if you look at propositions, and this is always interesting to me, is if you look at propositions conservative propositions tend to do better than most people think and kind of shocks people, right? Like if you look at any sort of proposition that um, restricts taxes, um, restricts, uh, you know, business enterprise, um, then they actually do pretty well, which is kind of shocking. And it, and it looks like, uh, so there's, there's people who, if you appeal to them, if you appeal to them in a certain way, that they will get on board with what you're doing. I just don't think there's been a, a group that's done that successfully yet. Any input on Prop 27? I, I have my thoughts, and we'll go over Prop 27 probably in a future Coffee in California Politics um, because we're coming up on uh, we're, we're coming up on a a whole deluge of a whole bunch of propositions, but props at 27. It's the one you're seeing a lot of commercials for. I know a lot of people ask me, you know, I see this all the time. What's going on, Phil? What do I, what am I voting for here? I tell them my point, you know, uh, but I'll go into more detail about that. Do you think the national Republican party's obsession with railing on California now in order to get national votes is what's killing California conservatives? Uh, yeah, I, I think there's, that's again, that's one of the problems is that Cal, it's easy to do. So I said, what is Cal? What is Prop 27? Uh, Prop 27 is going to allow sports betting uh, in California. So all the DraftKings, FanDuel's, all that stuff. Um, but and, and there's two. I, I'm going to do several. There's probably going to be several California propositions on coffee and California politics. We're just going to really just dive into them and chat about them. So, but there's not as many as I thought there would be this year. So maybe we could fit into one podcast and sort of have a round table about it. Um, well, there's a lot of money behind prop 27. There's DraftKings and FanDuel's, And then there's the gaming tribes. You know, there's the gaming tribes who are dumping millions of dollars into it. DraftKings and FanDuel's are, are dropping millions of dollars into it. So um, they're going to be, I, I can tell you right now, I don't think 27 is going to have really any effect on the homeless. It sounds great. It's a pittance, but whatever. Um, so, all right. With that said, um, I'm going to hop off because it's getting really hot in the studio right now, in my office right now, studio, office, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow night, still figuring out what's going to happen tomorrow night with the podcast, trying to see if Adam from open the books comes on. If not, there'll still be a podcast. We're still going to talk about some stuff. Maybe we'll talk about prop 27 tomorrow night on the podcast. Maybe that'll be a good way <coughs> to do it. We also want to do a legislative roundup. What, uh, what bills made it, what bills did not make it, um, stuff like that. So with that said, thanks everyone for tuning in. Stay cool out there, whatever you do. And, um, yeah, see you on the next one. Later.
Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 